Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. And this week's show is the best of the Ask Peggy questions. So you're going to listen to questions that people have asked me. I provide answers. Remember, they're educational, so you need to ask your certified financial planner practitioner if they would work for you, and you can submit questions to my Facebook page, Ask Peggy. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy show. And the question today is so common, especially among people of my age. And the question is, my mother now requires more care than we can give her at home. How much will Medicare help us with nursing home costs? And it's an awful question. And it's the elephant in the living room. It's using resources that the person may not have. It's stopping the passing of wealth from one generation to the other. And then the lower generation is not only not getting an inheritance, a lot of times they're using their own money to try to make this work. Um, Paying for elder care is a crisis. And if you haven't had the conversation yet with the elderly members of your family about what the plan is, you really need a plan. Because the answer is Medicare doesn't really cover that much. First, you need to know that long-term care takes two different forms. There's custodial care, which means you need help with things. You can't dress yourself. You can't feed yourself. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. They're called activities of daily living. And custodial care provides assistance with that. Skilled care, on the other hand, is providing the assistance of a nurse. Well, a lot of people who need custodial care don't need a nurse. But the problem is Medicare only covers the bill if you need skilled care, if you need nursing care. And in addition to that, they only cover it if you've been in the hospital for three days. Now, if you've been in the hospital for three days, then Medicare will pay 100% for the first 20 days of care in a skilled nursing care facility for you. Then they'll pay 80% for the next 80 days. And typically, you can buy a Medicare supplement that will pay this difference. So you've got 100 days of coverage if you've been in the hospital for three days and you need skilled nursing care because the minute you don't need skilled nursing care, all of this time stops. It's not like it buys you anything. And you can just basically get custodial care because you're in the hospital. It's got to be skilled nursing care. So the benefit here is not nearly as large as people think. And when you understand diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's, 100 days sounds like a long time, but these diseases can last for years. It's absolutely nothing. 
and it's very difficult to have a three-day hospitalization stay anymore. People are going home after hip replacements after two days. So you can't expect to get in the hospital for three days. So you cannot count on Medicare being your long-term care solution. It covers like the crisis of there's a bad fall, you're in the hospital, then you get out, you get better, and then you got to make your plan. I'm not saying long-term care is the solution. There are community daycares you can look at. You can look at getting long-term care insurance to pay the bill. You can look at the resources. You can decide if you've got enough resources to pay it. Maybe there's a family member who would rather be a caregiver than work a lower-income job. But now the problem with that is the burnout rate for caregiving is so high, and you do not want to give up a job, and then the person dies, and now you don't have a career, you don't have any income, and the whole thing has fallen apart. It's a huge mess. It's absolutely disastrous, and I don't really have great solutions other than you need to start planning now. It's very well and good to say that this isn't something you're ever going to use. This isn't something you want to talk about. And I can't tell you how many people, when they look at a long-term care premium, say, I can't pay that much, except that care is $6,000 a month. And it goes up from there. And this is Oklahoma. We are not the most expensive state in the union. This is bankrupting people. Medicare really isn't the solution. So you need to figure out what you can do to solve it in other ways. So on that cheery note, we're out of time. Please don't forget to submit your questions to the Facebook page, Ask Peggy, and then I can answer them on the show. Additionally, I've purchased the rights to the AskPeggy.com website, which is ultimately going to link to PeggyDoviak.com. So if you're curious about what I'm up to, go to PeggyDoviak.com. There's also a place you can submit questions there, as well as read my blog and other things that I'm doing. The final piece of big news is my book, 52 Weeks to Prosperity, Ask Peggy Doviak, is being released by the Roadrunner Press on August 7th. And so if you want more information about that, you can also find that on the PeggyDoviak.com website. So in the meantime, remember that the market is flat. Remember that it's important to look at your entire portfolio watch the new legislation, and save for long-term care. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to my favorite part of the show, which is the Ask Peggy part. And you can go to my Facebook page that is Ask Peggy, and send a question. If it's an easy question, I can answer it on the air. If it's a little more complicated, I might private message you back and get a little more information just to make sure that what I'm saying is sensible. Now, remember, all I'm ever providing on this show is education and not investment advice. Even though I'm asking you what questions you have and I'm trying to help you with it, you still always need to talk to your own certified financial planner practitioner, your own financial professional, because you could have a component of your financial life that I don't know about. And so even with these questions, it is always important to run them by somebody else before you take my advice. 
So the question today really tied to the last section that I just did on eating cat food in retirement. I get these questions a lot. They're very, very common. This question for this week that um, said that someone had gone to a seminar and that they were told they couldn't count on Social Security and that even their pension might be at risk. And they were completely freaking out about this and they didn't know what to do. So I want to talk a little bit about the viability of Social Security and your pension benefits, help you understand it. Again, like my poor friend in the last section who was told she was going to have to eat cat food, this person was, again, in a group setting and was told, oh, you can't count on your Social Security and you can't count on your pension benefits. But amazingly enough, the person who was giving the seminar had the perfect solution for them so that everything would be okay. So the first thing I want to give you is some general advice. When someone says something, well, about anything, but I'm really only qualified to talk about money. So if they say anything that scares you about your money, what is their agenda? Why are they saying it? Now, you know, if your kids come to you and say, hey, we're really worried about you and we want to make sure that everything's all right, your kids probably have your best interest at heart. You know, a really good friend might contact you and, or call you up and say, hey, I'm really kind of worried about this for you. Have you thought about it? You know, your friend is probably acting in your interest. Now, sometimes they're not. Sometimes the kids aren't. That's when, that's when fraud gets really, really crazy bad because this is from people we trust. But if somebody's bought you a free meal and it's not a very good meal and then they got a whole bunch of PowerPoint slides and they're going through them and they're trying to scare you into buying something, first of all, you need to take that into a giant grain of salt. Why are they scaring you? Why are they making you feel bad? What do they have to gain by your being afraid? So always consider that before you freak out. Now, that being said, pension plans do sometimes blow up because the company will get itself into a bad financial situation and the pension suddenly really isn't viable anymore. Two things usually happen with that. First of all, if a company sees that they're getting in trouble, remember most companies are not trying to just shred the personal lives of their employees. So if they see that their, their ability to pay their pension benefit isn't great, they'll usually convert, convert a pension plan to a defined contribution plan where they'll give all the employees who are participating in the pension a lump sum of money that then has to be invested in something like a 401k. They do that because they no longer have to take responsibility for the market performance of the money. And it throws the performance of the money over onto the clients, onto the employees. So basically, they can stop the bleeding at that point. They don't have to worry about a bad market condition. And now it's up to the employee to make sure that the money invests properly. If that doesn't happen, it blows up even further. Every pension plan that has as few as one employee other than the owner has to buy into the Pension Benefit Guarantee Company, PBGC, and buy insurance for their pension plan. And with PBGC, you have the ability then to get a pension benefit that could be as high as $60,000. Now, obviously, if that wasn't going to be your pension, it's not going to be your pension this time either. 
but you will be able to um, have at least some benefit from it. They don't typically just go away poof because PBGC provides coverage and more likely they roll your defined benefit to a defined contribution. Social Security's in trouble. There are easy solutions to add more money to the Social Security system. The easiest way is to get um, into or to do away with the wage base, which right now is $128,700. If you did that, every dollar a person earned would be subject to Social Security. That's the easy fix. I think they'll do it before they let Social Security totally go away because senior citizens vote and everybody in Washington wants their job back. I can't imagine that they would actually let it go away and not provide some kind of fix. It would be suicidal for everyone in Congress. So if all the money that people earned was subject to the Social Security tax and not just the first $128,000 people earned, that would solve the problem. It would be really easy. There'd be enough money. Privatizing is risky because people make really bad investment decisions, especially at the time they should make it the least. So I am not a fan of privatizing Social Security. I don't want people to be able to lose it all and then have absolutely nothing left. So that's the end of the show. I want to remind you that my book, 52 Weeks to Prosperity, Ask Peggy Doviak, comes out on August 7th and it's available on any sort of an online retail. If you're interested in more information about me, then you can go to PeggyDoviak.com and please submit a question to the Ask Peggy Facebook page. So my question today is, Peggy, I have disability insurance available at work, but I've never really understood it. Can you explain it to me? Yes. If you have disability insurance at work, it's probably short-term disability. And that means that it goes into effect very shortly after you're disabled. And then it usually provides coverage for three to six months. Now, long-term disability picks up generally after six months, and it applies to retirement. And it's possible that your employer has provided both of those to you, but short-term is more common. Long-term tends to be more of a private purchase. It's only in place until what's considered normal retirement age, because remember, this is a policy that you get if you are disabled and you are unable to work. Now, the definition of work is different. There's own occupation, which means if you can't do what you do now, then you automatically get paid. So if you're a brain surgeon and you can't do brain surgery, your disability policy kicks in. There's modified OC. OC stands for occupation. Modified OC says if you can do something that looks like your degree, but isn't exactly what you were trained in, then you're okay. But if you can't do that, then the policy pays. So maybe the brain surgeon could be a general practitioner doctor, and then he would only get the um, insurance payment after that. Or then finally, there's any occupation. Any occupation means if you can do absolutely anything, then the policy doesn't kick in. It's only if you are totally disabled and unable to hold a job. So now that our brain surgeon is disabled and is not able to 
work as a GP, but she can work at McDonald's. Well, guess what? And any occupation policy doesn't cover because you can work at a fast food restaurant. This can be really critical because most of us develop a lifestyle around our expected income level. And so a drastic decrease in your salary not only causes the crisis of the disability, but it causes all kinds of financial crises as well. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome to the Ask Peggy section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today's question comes from Trevor. And Trevor says, Peggy, when I told my friend I was buying life insurance, he told me to buy term and invest the difference. Is this good advice? Well, Trevor, like everything in financial planning, it depends. But I really want to talk about buy term and invest the difference to make sure you understand what it means and what you have to do to make sure that this is a successful strategy for you if you decide to pursue it. Buy term and invest the difference is very common among people who feel like sometimes insurance products are sold more to make a sale than they are to actually provide insurance coverage. And it might surprise you that I don't like it because really I don't like any rule of thumb. When you buy term and invest the difference, you're buying a term policy so you have insurance for a specific length of time. The minute that term is over, you don't have insurance anymore. So before you can even begin to make this decision, you need to look at your insurance need. Remember, the CFP Board of Standards says that insurance is designed to mitigate, mitigate the financial crisis that would occur with your death. CFP Board doesn't see insurance as a savings vehicle or an, in, or an investment vehicle. They see it as a tool that you use to take care of what would happen to the people around you if you died. How much money are they going to need? So I think the best way to figure this out is from a cash flow perspective, looking at your income needs at different parts of your life, like until the kids are um, ready to start college, then whether or not you want to help send them to college, and then the period of time for your spouse between when the kids aren't in college and they're ready to take their retirement benefit, and then finally when your spouse is in retirement. Additionally, you might have some other kind of odd needs, like a parent that might need care. More and more, I'm seeing people buy insurance policies to help protect their parents in case something happened to them because so many people are having to work with that as well. Or it might not be a spouse. It just might be someone you want to protect. Or maybe you want to leave a legacy to an organization when you die. So you really need to decide what you're trying to accomplish. If there is a permanent insurance need, that suggests that you might want to look at the costs associated with a whole life policy because whole life never goes away. It's permanent insurance. It goes in place. It costs more at the beginning, but many times it's cheaper than if you bought a term policy and you still had an insurable need and then you had to 20 years later turn around and try to buy another term policy where you might not be eligible to buy it at that point because of health issues. 
But let's assume that you think that it would be okay to have the larger amount of insurance for the term, and then you're going to invest that difference. So you need to look at the cost of the term premium and the whole life premium, because that difference is the difference in the cost of the premiums. Then you need to do some um, time value of money calculations and decide that if you took that difference and you invested it at a reasonable rate, is that going to be enough money at the end of the term to meet that need? And if it is, then this strategy might work really well. The problem is what I hear is people say, well, buy term, invest the difference, and it just kind of goes on down the road. Because the really biggest problem with this strategy is not investing the difference. People hear it, they see the cheaper insurance, and then the difference in the premium between the whole policy that they might have purchased but didn't and the term policy, it just stays in their wallet every month and they don't do anything with it. And if you have any kind of an insurance need that will occur after the term, that strategy won't work for you because you won't have the money laid back to meet the need. So the first question is look at your cash flow analysis, look at your insurance need, talk to the person who would be getting the policy, make sure that they think that these numbers work for them as well because you're really doing it to benefit them more than yourself. Then if you decide to buy term and invest the difference, make sure that difference is enough money and then finally go ahead and invest it because if you don't, this strategy will fail every single time. So just be careful and do it thoughtfully and don't just jump into a rule of thumb without following through and making sure it works for you. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. I'm Peggy Doviak, and today's question is, Peggy, my employer offers a 3% match in my retirement plan, but I don't have enough money right now to be able to lose 3% of it, so I don't know what to do. And I hear this question a lot especially if people are just getting started or it's a situation where money is tight. 3% doesn't sound like a lot of money until suddenly it's coming out of your paycheck and you've got bills to pay and it can be really overwhelming. So I want to start out by giving you and everybody else really good financial advice, even if I do say so myself. Do not think either or. I see so much either-or thinking from clients, from other financial advisors, where it's either I'm in the market or I'm out of the market. What happens here is you think, I don't have 3% to match, so I'm not going to participate because I don't have enough money to do it. So either I'm in the plan or I'm not in the plan. Don't think like that. Okay, either or thinking is generally riskier than doing a compromise, looking in the middle. Maybe you can't do 3%. Can you do 1%? 1% of your salary going into your company's retirement plan matched by your employer's 1% gives you 2% going in every year. And that's not nearly as overwhelming as sometimes trying to find 
So then, once you've figured out, well, yeah, I can do that. That's not too much money. I want you to do a cash flow analysis. The heart of financial planning to me is cash flow. Money going in, money going out. So look at your spending. See if there's anywhere where you're spending money and it's just kind of disappearing into the air. And a lot of times that's eating lunch out rather than taking your lunch or stopping by to buy coffee rather than carrying a thermos. And I know that saving a couple bucks a day isn't going to give you enough money for your retirement plan, but it might give you enough money to be able to add one more percent to the match so that now you're putting 2% in and your employer is putting 2% in. If you've already done that and it's just not there, then go ahead at the 1% if you possibly can. And then as you do better financially in the future, increase how much you're putting in. If you can, when you get a raise, use half of it for your expenses and then see if you could defer the other half of it into your retirement plan. That would very rapidly begin to increase the amount of money you're deferring into your retirement savings while you still get the benefit of getting that raise because if your cash flow is really tight, that raise might make your day in, day out life a lot easier to deal with. So try to increase the raise. Try to track your cash flow so that you can see what you're spending so that you might be able to find more money. Do not get overwhelmed. Do not give up. And if you say, you know, I just can't do it, that's okay. I'm not ever going to be in judgment of people. It's the other thing I don't like about financial professionals is they don't really seem to understand that sometimes you just can't. So if you can't, that's fine. But I want you to on a calendar somewhere, I want you to look at your situation again in another year because it may be better then and you may be able to do it then. What happens is people can't when they start working, then they kind of forget about it because they're not participating in it. So nothing really reminds them. Now it's five, six, seven years later, they could have done it if they had um, remembered to participate, but they've literally forgotten to do it. So if you can't do it now, or if you can only defer a little bit of money today, I want you to look at your situation in a year and just decide if you still can't. I want you to look again the year after that. It will get easier. It will get better. Circumstances will change. You'll get promoted. You'll get raises. But if you forget to look again, you'll be in a lot of trouble later making pretty good money with nothing at all set aside for retirement. So take the, take the initiative to write it down, look at it regularly. This is where working with a financial planner can help because they just remind you of things you actually already knew that you needed to do. So that's the show for this week. And remember to always look at whether economic data is leading or lagging. Don't get freaked out by stock market movements every single minute of every single day. Understand your company's retirement plan. Participate in it as much as you can. And if you can't do it now, then make the effort to look at it again in another year.
So maybe you have a financial question, something you've always wanted to know the answer to. Remember that you can go to my Facebook page, Ask Peggy, and submit a question, and then I'll try to answer it on the air. If it's a complicated question, I may try to get some additional information just so I can be sure I understand the circumstances. Now, remember the answers to these questions are educational. They're not investment advice because I can't know enough data to be absolutely sure that I've accounted for everything that might go wrong with my answer. So always talk to a certified financial planner practitioner. Make sure that you've got all of this information squared into your overall financial plan to make sure that it meets your needs. So do that. Go to PeggyDoviak.com and you can learn more about me and my book. And I will see you next week. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.